0: You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's only talk radio show focused on exploring topics of interest to women in business with your host, Dr. Sean Andrews.
1: And I am Dr. Sean Andrews. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, I am thrilled to be uh, talking with a, a brand new guest, someone I have actually not met in person, so I really look forward to this interview. It's Joan Kuhl. Joan is founder of Why Millennials Matter. She's an author, speaker, and champion of women in leadership, which is a topic close to my heart, through her international speaking engagements, research, and consulting, She's guided leaders through more than in more than sixty countries and transform workings of some of the largest companies, including Goldman Sachs, Eli Lilly, and the New York Mets. She's author of three books, most recently called a book called Dig Your Heels In, Navigate Corporate BS, and Build the Company You Deserve. So Joan, welcome to the program.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: <laughs> so yeah, as I was as I was doing research for this um, for our interview today for the uh, Women in Business podcast for Critical Mass, I found out that we yeah. have quite a bit in common, uh, namely the pharmaceutical industry, the topic of women in leadership. Uh, We've both have written books on it, and it sounds like you do a lot in this space as well. So I really look forward to, to hearing more about you and your experience.
0: Well, ditto. I think that there can't be enough of us. There's so much work to do, and I'm excited to kind of collaborate on this topic tonight.
1: Fantastic. Well, thank you for, for joining us. So let's get right into it. Uh, so, So tell us about your professional path to what brought you where you are today, let's say prior to the work you're currently doing.
0: Sure. So, as you mentioned, I have launched my career in the pharmaceutical industry. I spent about 14 years in, you know, corporate America and all sorts of roles, sales, marketing, account management, training and development. But for me, I have a, a very deep foundation in youth leadership. I grew up in those types of programs, and so I spent a lot of time while building my corporate career still on college campuses, you know, as a speaker and a mentor and I always saw the power and potential of that next generation and enjoyed it being around their energy. And this was around the time where, you know, 2008, 2009, or the global recession, we saw in the workplace there started to become some friction between the generations. And that's typical, right, you know, the older generations kind of getting frustrated with younger generations. But with the add-on of technology, it just felt, you know, a lot more strained and the resources were being pulled back in areas that I thought contribute the most to an early leader's, you know, rise and development. And so that was really what inspired me to start doing some of my research on multigenerational dynamics during my MBA. And then when I graduated and I decided to um, officially launch my company, I was really out to solve that problem. I wanted to get in front of as many leaders and as, as many diverse industries as possible to tell them to double down on young talent, and that's where I started doing some more consulting and research. And you know, the long and the short of it is, what I discovered is that what millennials want is what women deserved. You know, the, the meaning and purpose, the flexibility, financial security, and so that's what led me to where I am today.
1: Well, it sounds great. So that work you did uh, on college campuses and on the generations, was that something you were doing while you were working in the pharmaceutical industry?
0: No. So I was only a volunteer during my corporate career. And huh. you know, one of the first organizations, the, 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 you know, the company I spent the majority of my career at, Eli Lilly & Company, they were really supportive of um, – you know, the fact that I was, you know, a great brand ambassador for the organization on campus and as a mentor, and I would always work with some of our intern classes, and I had one of the youngest sales teams in the in the country in my first management role. So, but it was when I officially decided to, to you know, to leave full-time and launch my business, um, Why Millennials Matter, um, a couple of the first partnerships that exposed me to, you know, more millennials and more corporations. One was with Barnes & Noble College. So they managed the bookstore at over 750 college campuses. And they were an amazing organization, really passionate about connecting, making the the bookstore be the center of campus. So I worked as their you know, career expert and would do workshops on campus and, mm. um, you know, digital interventions. And, and so really moving from there then into taking all that knowledge and experience I had again firsthand with this generation mm. and then started working back inside these big companies and sharing with them what was motivating this next generation and, you know, helping prepare them to uh, leverage that talent.
1: Great. So, uh, so, so tell Tell our listeners about your business today. So, what what I guess helped your transition from the millennials in general into women specifically, or or are you doing both still currently? I mean, so what are you focused on now?
0: Well, I mean, I think you know, kind of, we're all multidimensional. I am a mom of two daughters. You know, me myself, um, as a woman, you know, my my journey and my career and the experiences that I have was always you know very close to my heart and. You know, and being in a role where you're a consultant and you're, you know, leading research, um, you're working with companies on on large cultural initiatives, right? You're trying to figure out how to help companies that've been around for hundreds of years stay relevant and stay attractive to the next generation, and that's where. There ended up being a real consistency between the value proposition that you know, I wanted and the women that I interviewed and knew um, in the research projects that were leaders was very consistent with what this next generation wanted. And I did lead a very large um, scale research project about advancing women in the workplace and it was really just like that was a couple about three years ago that just struck a chord with me where i felt there was such an opportunity to do more to help women thrive and that that would also unlock the solution for this next generation to really be the inclusive leaders they wanted to be um, millennial generation almost half identify with a race or ethnicity that's non-white and we have more women graduating in 93 countries than men so it just To me, it all fits together really well. And in writing Dig Your Heels In, I went back to the incredible trailblazing women that I met throughout all these consulting engagements and, you know, interviewed them about the things that they were doing to transform their company from within.
1: I see. Okay, great. Great. (laughs) So tell us about the, the, I guess, the niche markets that you're in now or the types of clients who are interested in your, your expertise.
0: Well, I've worked with um, everyone. I've worked with you know organizations in healthcare, finance, retail, sports, and uh, top twenty MBA programs. I would say right now, for for me, I'm I'm getting a lot of energy myself. Out of really helping um, sports organizations, right? I've worked with New York Mets for a number of years on initiatives for millennials, now also looking at um, the female talent opportunity. I work with U.S. Soccer. I'm a She Believes champion, and I'm sure you're aware we're going, you know, the, our women's team, are, they're best in the world, and they're going to the Women's World Cup this summer. And this She Believes platform is really about helping uh, women, girls achieve their dreams on and off the field. So that gives me an opportunity to create content. And that's really the space I'm in right now, which is um, I'm doing a lot of speaking and workshops inside companies of every size that, They want to be inclusive, and so I'll do workshops with men and women and talk about, like, the everyday scenarios that can hold women back because they're biased. And Mm -hmm. I'll also work with, uh, you know, business schools that want to get to gender parity. They want to recruit more women. They want the women to thrive in their classrooms. They want to recruit more female professors. So, um, you know, it's a range of things.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm just curious, since you, you mentioned universities, I, I'm actually a professor, I teach women in leadership at uh, UC Irvine. And one of the Amazing. stats that ca- came out recently about that was the, where the number uh, UCI is the number one school for the number of female faculty in the world, which shocked oh, the heck wow. out of me when I found out about that because I didn't know that going <laughs> in. But it's it's incredibly important uh, to not only, as you, as you mentioned, discuss this topic in, in business schools, uh, but to also have representation yeah. from, from the faculty as well. So do you do teaching as well, Joan? Is that something that you do or are you interested in?
0: It's on my bucket list. I mean, I feel like I'm a teacher as a facilitator and, you know, kind of a workshop developer, but I admire your role so much, um, and I'd love to know what you're experiencing too because um, and it's interesting you teach gender and leadership. Um, there's an incredible professor at UNC Keenan-Flagler that that taught Gender and leadership, and I audited her class, and it was just amazing. And I, and again, I was really energized by this generation's uh, enthusiasm for this topic and wanting mm. like real tools. They know they're going to go as business school graduates into the workplace, and they're going to be confronted with some challenging situations. And you know, they want to be prepared to have the data to support the big ideas that they have. So it's you know, the business school still reflects the representation in the. Our, you know, our our largest companies, our Fortune 500 companies, we still have less than uh, 24 women at the highest level of leadership. So, yeah, I mean, do, I'm so curious. Like, do, you, do you feel momentum or see any changes as well? Because female students get to see you in that role, too.
1: Yeah, yeah. And this is... Um... And it absolutely is related to our discussion about millennials and women, because um, my course is, is something I developed based on my research and my book, which launched last year. Uh, it's called The Power of Perception, uh, Leadership, Emotional Intelligence, and the Gender Divide. So I created, uh, I was able to create a course, and I've taught it now at two universities, but to my surprise, it was incredibly popular. And I just started teaching at UC Irvine in January, and the class was waitlisted, And it, it's millennials that I'm teaching, Um, you know, a a few Gen Z, but mostly millennials. And I've actually been pleasantly surprised with the number of undergraduate and graduate uh, students, primarily female. Uh, there's a few few men in, in each of my classes, but primarily yeah. female uh, who are interested in this topic um, because they absolutely want the tools. Um, because I think, I think, you know, being in this space of, with, around gender and leadership that I think most people now get the barriers, you know, they kind of get, they get an idea, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of talk in the media about the barriers, a lot of articles and research and speakers, um, but but now they're hungry for, okay, great, what do I do now? And yes. so, ha- yeah. So I think the yes. work that uh, you're doing, you know, is, is right in line with that.
0: Well, I need an excuse to go to California so I can visit one of your classes. <laughs> um, that really excites me. I you know I have to tell you, my other big dream is that, you know, a course like yours is required. And it should be a part of the core because I think it is that critical. And, you know, you do see some larger percentage of, of females, um, you know, sign up for those courses, but the men that are on board too really get a lot out of it. Um, and I think, you know, what you were saying, too, and I've, I've learned to adjust my workshops and spend way more time on the practical application. Because I like you, you know, I felt like the need to just drill home the data, this isn't the, this isn't just a nice thing to do. This is the smart thing to do. You know, mm. this is crazy that, you know, and then I realized, I actually don't think uh, your everyday um, manager, that's kind of middle management, is as immersed in the subject as you and I, because we're passionate about it. And so when you when you say to them, "Okay, well, in a meeting, men interrupt women three times more often than they do other men." Have you seen that? You know, what would you do if that happened? How can you then be that person that's more vigilant to saying, "Hey, you know, let you know, Pamela finish her thought. I was really interested in her idea." And so that's what I'm finding. I have to spend more time and take a pause in the workshops. Is getting allowing them the time to get comfortable with wrapping their words around it. Sometimes they need a script. Sometimes they just need to like sort of that forced role play because it's like you know mm-hmm. practice makes habit. And I that's where I've seen the light bulb go on. And then we follow up with them afterwards and say, you know, what have you done that's different? How do you feel about that? How does that change your day to day relationships in your company? I think that that'll build momentum.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you because it's it's the, the data around the leadership gender gap is analogous to diversity and inclusion data. So there's mounds of data to show that companies that are more diverse and inclusive perform better on a whole, whole yeah. host of different measures, you know, from recruitment to retention. But the data has not been enough to change behavior or, or change move the needle yeah. and so i think i think what you're saying is that really appealing to people's sense of fairness um and and where they feel it in their gut and then giving them the verb Around it, you, you, you know, a lot of times that comes right. through, you know, role plays and things like that, where they they actually practice it. And so, um, and you know, having like you said, you have workshops with men and women. I think that's critically important because um, I, I'm finding you know, I've found that men are critically important to the process um, with gender parity. And so, um, having you know men in the room is and having the dialogue is great. So, yeah,
0: I think, so, g- know, oh yes, or- go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think for every organization or every leader, let's say, that reaches out to me and says, hey, you know, there's something going on. I want to do something about this. It's like you know you could pick from a hundred different things and i've I've learned to really be patient about that I mean that's what dig your heels in is about playing the long game that this stuff doesn't happen overnight when companies have operated like this for hundreds of years, and I you know so there's the one approach of if there's a leadership opportunity kind of helping managers really the middle managers day to day because they're the ones that. You know, people don't leave companies, they leave bosses, right? And so if I can help them have better tools and be more aware of it. But then there could be more systemic things as well where your HR teams want to get involved. And they do want to look at pay. And they do want to look at their talent management process and their interviewing protocol and so there are so many different ways to go about it, and um, you know, and I think what I'm on a quest right now too is to continue to find other partners. I think that this is a collaborative effort. All of us that are in the D&I space, there is something that we can you know offer to these organizations to help them keep moving the needle, and then I think that's how we have you know make bigger strides.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you mentioned your book, Dig Your Heels, In, that recently launched, correct?
0: Yes, yeah, it's only been like two weeks um, available <laughs> live in the stores. It's just been exciting. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah, we had um, a really, you know, fantastic launch. In fact, I'm, and I'm based in New York City, and I'm a board member for Girls Inc. And so, uh, Girls Inc. of New York City. And so the, the book launch celebration and several of the events, we also used the fundraisers about Girls Inc. because I, I really believe, and this is kind of that connection again to the next generation, that for you know, we want to invest in our girls and they deserve so much to help them believe that they can achieve all of their dreams. But I we can't keep working this hard to help them break into these, you know, STEM fields and otherwise to then just want to walk out the door because the culture is toxic. So we, right now, you and I working and women around us have to thrive um, in the workplace to continue to make this a welcoming environment for the next generation. So that's why I kind of always talk about the things that we can do inside the workplace, but also for um, our younger women, too.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, Joan, so what advice would you offer women
0: who are in business today? Oh, I, I think I would say take three steps. You know, the first is that um, this is not in your head. You're not emotional. You're not <laughs> crazy. If there's things that you feel like aren't living up to your expectations of what you deserve, you're right. And there is data to back you up. I do think, cause like you and I were saying, I still think for women, step one is arm yourself with the data. Because I found, you know, even embarking from going from corporate America to starting my business, to get into the boardroom and be compelling enough for CEOs to listen and do something about it, put money behind it, you have to have a strong case. So that's step one. Step two is um, use that frustration to fuel The one thing that you want to put your eye on to change. Like I said, you know, I think we as women too, we're multitasking. We want to take on everything. I'm, as I'm, you know, as I'm a a working mom with two young kids, like I I make my to do list way too big. And Mm. I think the rewarding thing is, is pick one thing. If it's relationships, if it's mentorship that's lacking in your company, if it's, you know, you want to revitalize your women's network, pick the one thing that you really feel like is tied closely to, you know, your, Your personal values, and because that's going to help you when you hit a wall, because you will, right? This isn't easy work. And I think the third thing is find your allies. You know, I think we move so fast in this world today from one meeting to the next, and you know, one obligation and one appointment, and we need each other. We need allies. We need um, women and men older than us, younger than us, earlier, later. So I think it's just, you know, find others that also have that same drive to change that same thing. And and I mean, I think if you start with those three steps, I can almost guarantee that there's momentum to take it from there. And then my book is a playbook for some of the big bold moves that companies um, can make, you know, to make a difference.
1: Fantastic. So, so the book again is Dig Your Heels In, Navigate Corporate BS and Build the Company You Deserve. I love that title, by the way. And uh, Joan, how does someone get in touch with you or learn more about your work?
0: Sure. So my website is www.joankuhl.com. That's where you can find links to the book, um, which is on sale everywhere, and learn about my workshops. And one thing that, you know, I'm really trying to build up on the website right now is more free content, you know, resources, whether it's data or it's you know, something to help women overcome imposter syndrome. So it's a great place, I think, to just stay in touch with um, my work and upcoming events if anyone wants to attend them.
1: Great. Well, thank you. So I, I think I, I have a hunch that you and I are going to need to take this conversation offline and <laughs> continue it. I think so, too. Yes. <laughs> well, so, yeah. So, yeah, I definitely would me. like thank to learn more. We get... <laughs> what was that?
0: I said thank you for being on this journey, too. I absolutely can't wait to talk to you more about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and like you said, there there can't be enough of us out there because there's so many different facets of the issue around gender and even millennials to speak about because the face of our workplaces are changing. And so, you know, thank you for the the work you're doing out there. So I wish you the best of luck
0: in it. Thank you. And you too. Look forward to staying connected.
1: All right. Well, thank you, Joan. And thanks everyone for listening today to the Critical Mass Radio Show, focusing on women in business. And thank you to Joan Kuhl, uh, our, our, our wonderful guest today. So with that, stay tuned and until next time.
0: You've been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show. Orange County's only talk radio show focused on exploring
1: topics of interest to women in business. With your host, Dr. Sean Andrews.